Welcome back to the Peak Too Early podcast. It's the day after the NBA dunk contest, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Oscar Saywell, to dunk on Liverpool. Oscar, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm, um, I'm well. Uh, other than the fact that I'm kind of sleep-deprived, I've been sleeping very well, which is a shame. I do have one question for you, though, and that is, um, between you and me, who would win in a dunk contest? can't say i've ever seen you hold a basketball but mm. i imagine you're pretty bad um, no i'm actually quite good at basketball very interesting i i i know i'm better than all my friends that's all i know oh, like i'm, I'm better than 100 no i'm better than like anders and max and dash and all of them so right it sounds like you're pretty good then no i can't uh, yeah. play basketball um, but I'm good at sports, and I'm a large person, so uh, you know I surprise people. Yeah, you're absolutely massive. Um, <laughs> other like your weak knees, if you were playing, yeah, someone would probably roll Definitely. up on your knee and take you out. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, um, I would certainly beat you at basketball, but yeah, uh, you, you would. There's it's not even a contest. Um, there's something that. You will beat me and are quite handedly beating me at right now. And that is our Premier League match day predictions. Yes. Uh, yes. It is very poor for uh, the Newcastle uh, host of this podcast. Um, much like Newcastle slipping and slipping and slipping, it is only getting worse for me. Um, mm-hmm. Oscar ended last week at plus seven, and he had a repeat performance, another yep. plus four to move mm. to plus 11 overall. Truly a Man City-esque lead at the top of the table. Uh-huh. Oscar achieved this by perfectly predicting West Brom, Newcastle, nil nil draw, and Chelsea defeating Everton 2-0. So, Oscar, how does it feel? I mean, look, I think, I, I, I don't know. It's, it is fluke. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like I've been predicting some decent things here and there. I, I, you know, predictions are impossible. Um, and frankly, I will come crashing down back to earth soon. Not to be rude, but I feel like the nil-nil West Brom Newcastle was the easiest prediction I've ever made in my life. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, it's it's not an unassailable lead. Maybe uh, next week you will do a bit of a Man United in the Manchester derby, peg me back a little. You never know. You never know. So I guess, you know, on to the next round. Keep your chin up. And I'm sure you'll be back on my level soon, Blake. Yes, I'm, uh, I will be consulting some outside help for my Ooh. predictions this All week. Right. So... Cool. We'll see if that helps me at all. All right. Uh, all right. On to the matches. Let's do it. I'm excited. Sort of. No, I am. I am very excited. I say sort of just because I feel like I feel like the Premier League has has taken. How do I put this? Like it's sort of it's petering out a little bit. And obviously, I mean, I, the games just come so thick and fast uh, that the players must be exhausted. But, um. Not another scintillating match week, I would say. Lots of draws. Um, 4-1 was like the biggest scoreline, that Tottenham victory against Palace. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to start, Blake? There's, there's, a, you know, there's, there's some interesting things. I, I don't want to sell this podcast short. There's some interesting matches to take a look at. 
So I'll start with uh, talking about that the point that you made that you've felt that the Premier League is sort of pittering out a little bit. Mm. Um, and this is something that I've thought about a lot um, yeah. because something that really hurts the MLB in terms like uh, Major League Baseball in okay. the US in terms of popularity is there's 100 plus games in a season. Um, yeah. And that's even before the playoffs. So uh, a single game does not have a tremendous amount of value. Um, it's about right. stringing, stringing games together. And basketball has this problem too a lot um, where a single game, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of about how you, how you go on runs and stuff and pick up a bunch of wins. Um, but on the other side, you have a sport like American football where there's uh, 16 games in a season, and that makes each game like unbelievably valuable. Um, and especially how the playoffs work, um, you have six games, and so whoever has the best mm -hmm. record at the end of six games uh, makes the playoffs. Uh, and I was like, I've always thought, like, is there a way to make each individual game? more important um in the premier league i guess you could have fewer teams but right yeah i don't i don't know Ugh, i mean the you know people talk about trying to incentivize people trying to they talk about trying to incentivize like attacking play but i mean all of this i don't know there's so many problems in football that need to be fixed before doing super revolutionary stuff like different points tallies and that kind of stuff i don't know i feel like uh, you know it, it was only at the beginning of the season it was the most like the most chaotic crazy premier league season of recent memory so yeah i don't know i think maybe it's like a topic for another pod just this idea that the premier league especially now is it's it's not very exciting title race wise there's a like small group of teams that are so financially sort of sound that even if they have an off season, they just reinvest in the summer and then they'll be right back up there again. I don't know. It's a topic of conversation for a different pod, but yeah, I think, yeah. As for the baseball uh, comparison, I, I just genuinely don't understand baseball whatsoever. Going to a base, I've been to several, what are we called? The, the Washington team? Nationals. Nationals. I've been to several Nationals games. Okay, this is the genuinely the weirdest sporting experience of my life. There's there's thousands of people in the stadium, and not a single person cares about the match right in front of them. They're just talking to each other. It's so bizarre. I don't understand. And I went to the the ones I've gone to have all been so boring. Like nobody scores any points. I just I don't I do not understand baseball whatsoever. It, it genuinely infuriates me. But, yeah, it's yeah. America's pastime. Yeah, uh, I actually really enjoy in-person baseball games. Uh, okay, yeah, but oh, yeah, match staying experience, you know. I have no, I don't know any players who play for the Nationals, and I don't, I don't know how they're doing right now. But if I go in person, I'll, I'll enjoy my. It was actually uh, Mati's in my first date was a Nationals game. Oh, that's sweet. I love yeah, that. which is crazy because neither Mati nor I know anything about baseball, Aww. but. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, 
But yeah, and apparently it was a good date because here we are apparently. five years later. So. The jury's still out. I don't know. We'll yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's okay, start talking about yep. actual football. Where do you want to start? Are we going Burnley Arsenal? Yeah, God, I'm looking at Burnley Arsenal one one and thinking like, let, let okay yeah let's let's touch on let's touch on these opening games and then I I yeah just go ahead let's just do it. Okay, so I mean we don't really have to talk about the game uh, too much. Uh, Arsenal got out to an early lead, uh, and then one of the most amazing like best league in the world situations uh, where Granit Xhaka, albeit Leno puts Xhaka under like a ton of pressure here, um, like unnecessary pressure. uh, He (laughs) blasts it against Chris Wood and it bounces off Chris's chest into the goal. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, just wonderful. Uh, I wrote down beautiful assist. Yeah, I wrote uh, peak Arsenal because yeah, at this yeah, point yeah. they probably should have been three or four nil up, um, yeah. and they managed to get themselves pegged back at one one. Yeah, um, but for the most part, they dominated this game. Uh, mm. They're kind of like Arsenal is like insistent on playing out from the back, and that's what caused Burnley to score. Um, mm. Arsenal's defense is incredibly bad at clearing the ball. Uh, It's one of the strangest things about David Luiz because I actually think he's an okay defender. Uh, Like, memes aside, when he's playing well, he's a very good defender. Oh, yeah. But he can never clear a ball from a header. He almost always puts it, like, right back into the box. Yeah, he's not Um, not very... Yeah, he's not... Yeah, yeah. that's a great observation, actually. I I hadn't considered that before. Yeah. He's weird but that. yeah, then uh, what everyone really talked about, it made people forget the amazing pseudo own goal in the first half. Uh, mm. In the 75th minute, uh, Pepe uh, dribbled in from the right and the ball bounces up and it hits Peters in the hand. Uh, and it was called VRR called it VAR called it no hand ball. And the only yeah. reason I can assume they called it this is because it bobbles up into him. Yeah. And they could say, like, he didn't have enough time to react, plus his hand is in a relatively normal position. Um, so Arsenal fans were furious about that. Uh, just... Then uh, Pepe would miss a open goal a few minutes later. And then a few minutes after that... Uh, Arsenal get a penalty from another Peters handball, uh, which included a straight red. Um, And then VAR checked this, and they determined it hit him in the shoulder. Uh, No no card, no penalty, play on, Um, which is 100% the correct call. That's an example of VAR doing a good job. Um, And then the final 10 minutes, Arsenal were absolutely destroying burnley they had like chance after chance like very very good chances um and then the match ended 1-1 with arsenal players like dropping to their knees like heads in their hands uh like shaking their heads yeah pretty entertaining as a neutral yeah um oh gosh the all i have to say really is that the 
the the handball laws are just insane um and it's just makes a mockery out of the game sometimes um yeah good summary um i thought you know no you know what i'm gonna hold my tongue and um let's move on to sheffield united southampton are you okay with that you can take this one absolutely all right then so uh this was a 2-0 victory for the saints away from home or are, there, are Sheffield United also sometimes called the Saints? Are they are they one of those clubs? Yeah, possibly. Chef, the Blades. Anyway, yeah, they're the Blades, but you know, there's just so many Saints. Anyway, um, I actually thought that Southampton started really slowly, which sort of makes sense. Uh, they're away from home, low on confidence, um, and Sheffield United were really pinning them back for about 20, 20 minutes, I would say, a good twenty minutes. But then it sort of switched up in the, I think it was the thirty second minute. Um, Ethan Ampadu took out um, uh, Nathan Teller, Nathan Taya. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Teller. Teller, young uh, Saints player. Um, uh, very clear penalty, uh, I thought. And James Ward-Prowse, who I was talking about last week, who's sort of been anonymous, stepped up and, um, you know, comfortably slotted it away for 1-0. Uh, and then I thought the tide changed somewhat. Um, che Adams, who you were calling out, or we were both calling out last week. Um, I think it was right before half time. He had a one on one with the goalkeeper, which was a great chance. Didn't see the defender coming in from behind. Um, that was, yeah, I could, I can't remember who, which defender it was, but um, you were sort of thinking, ah, he's he's fluffed his lines again. But in the 50th minute or just after half time, um, he scored a great goal. Uh, it was a half volley from outside of the box. To be fair, I thought the the initial shot was Ramsdale was really poor um, because he he couldn't hold it and he parried it out into the middle. Um, yeah, and he was then, very lucky. Yeah, he was very lucky that because there were no players around. And then South the Southampton defenders did this terrible clearance, and Adams uh, smashed it in on a half volley from just from just outside the box. Um, other than that, I don't have too much to say about this game. Actually, I don't know about you. I thought Nathan Teller was was really good in general. I know he won the penalty. Um, yeah. And he's racked up. I think he's got about, I looked it up, nine or ten appearances now in the Premier League. Saints have these players. I'm thinking like, you know, Jan Valery at right back and a few others who are like young and highly rated and sort of they come in and out of the team. And it's sort of, it's a bit odd like Smallbone and, and these players that you're sort of thinking, will they ever really cement their place in a team like this? Um, but they seem to get more minutes uh, than than other sort of equivalent players do at other clubs. I don't know. So maybe Teller's one, yeah. one that will sort of break through. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. Teller, um, I've seen him play quite a few times, but this is the first time I've seen him actually have like quite a good game. Right, um, yeah. He like looked very confident player. and was running at players. Yeah, he's, he's twenty, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you talking about uh, the Saints having like many players who sort of come in and out of the team, and they've like a lot of young, good talents, but none of them get a consistent and run Lindelof of playtime. Yeah, they Robert do. Kennedy. Southampton have the second most fielded players this season at twenty nine. Yeah, that's 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 a astonishing amount. I um, yeah, yeah. They just have so many injuries. Even with these young players, I was just completely forgot about Michael Obafemi, who broke through 
like 18 months ago. And I think he's had a huge injury to lay off. Um, yes. And yeah, I, like relatively promising, but. I adore Michael Obafemi. Oh, yeah. God, he's great. I, he's such a good player. Yeah, he's, um, he's awesome. I, he's a player who I really, really rate, and I think he's going to be like pretty amazing. I hope so. By the Probably way. Violent striker. So. Yep, Sheffield United are nicknamed the Blades, the Cutlers, and the Laynites. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say, actually. Um, I don't either. Cool, let's move on. Villa Wolves. I have nothing else horrible. to say. I have nothing yeah, to say nothing. about this. Um, yeah. it's, uh, it's vaguely a derby, and it was rubbish. And um, all I'll say is that yeah, Villa is sort of slipping out of it. Stands Jack Grealish and Wolves are in need of a rejuvenation period. Okay, moving on. Brighton Leicester. This is a little bit better. Um, do you want? I can go with this one. I I did watch this one. I watched most of this one. Um, I watched a good chunk of this. Okay, we can just both take it then. Um, okay, you know what? Yeah, I think so. This was a pretty big win for Leicester. Uh, they won 2-1. They came from behind. Um, they really needed this because they've been playing poorly and there's the, the you know there's the 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 demons of last uh, year where they just completely threw in the towel essentially and dropped right down the table when they were in the Champions League places um around this time. Uh this season it's really the injuries that I think are contributing most to this strange run of form or this sort of lackluster play um they went behind in correct me if i'm wrong 30th minute something like that to an adam lalana goal 10th 10th minute oh my god that was that's early sorry um it was really bad defending frankly uh, really for really yeah yeah wesley Fafana has been excellent this this uh year but he had a rocky game he's coming back from injury layoff he had a bit of a strange game i thought um and yeah, Brighton, as always, they looked lively. They string together nice attacking play. They have, you know, what we say it every week, they have nice XG, basically. Um, their underlying numbers are great. Um, but they, for whatever reason, just can't get these matches over the line. And um, Ike Nacho, for the second week in a row, stepped up, um, took matters into his own hands. He ran onto a nice uh, ball and managed to sort of lift it over the goalkeeper, um, which was, yeah, very, very clinical. Sort of the Ian Atchel we saw bursting through at Man City all those years ago. Um, that was sort of in contrast, though, to, to Leicester themselves. Um, at 1-1, I think they just they just looked knackered, frankly, and, and a little bit incohesive. And I think that's just mainly down to the personnel they have to field. Um, and sort of funnily enough, it was actually a bit of a rando that they had to play Daniel Amati at right back who popped up with the winner. Um, it, it was really not a very good, yeah. not a very good winner. The Brighton goalie, the youngster Sanchez, he came out for the, it was a corner. Uh, he came out to try and punch it, completely missed it. And Amati sort of stooped down to head it into the net. I felt it was nice for him because he's been there for a while, but had this huge injury and sort of made his way back into the team. Um, which is fun. I think, yeah, Brighton will feel 
sad about this, obviously, because now they're, am I, I think they're level on points because of the Fulham win um, with Fulham joint bottom in the relegation zone. Um, and just, yes, yeah, so many matches, they just can't, can't, can't get it out the line. And they had the opportunity to get out of the mire. And now um, they're, you know, they're right, they're right down there. So, yeah. Emphasis on right down there. Mm-hmm. Below Newcastle, yeah, which is big. I I cannot believe that after what I saw Sunday morning, Newcastle would gain a spot yeah, in the yeah, Premier League table. Well, why don't you uh, yeah, chat to me about Newcastle briefly if you can stomach the pain because they drew nil nil to West Brom. Uh there might not be a single chance created in this game by Newcastle that deserved to be a goal. Um, there was one pot shot from Joe Willock, uh, which I think was our best chance. Um, it was unbelievable, the formation that we played. We played a the four one, like 4-4-2 diamond um, that we've been playing the last few weeks. Um, and But the problem is all of our players who we play as like strikers who's normally wilson and uh saint maximin uh will be the strikers in that formation but this time we played with uh big joe who had a by far the best match of any newcastle player yeah um and five foot three ryan fraser and then proceeded to play long ball route one football against the master of route one football uh yeah and yeah a nil nil um before this match and all throughout the match uh the pundits were saying how this is a must win game for newcastle and uh like we could really really be in deep trouble if we don't win and then afterwards the pundits talk about how this is a good point and how steve bruce is doing a good job so Ugh. yeah that is all i can say all right, let's move swiftly away from that pool of sadness then. How about we, yeah, let's touch on uh, Liverpool-Fulham because Liverpool now continue their unprecedented losing streak at home with six in a row. Obviously, the five had never been done for, before and now the six. Um, and Fulham, they get a absolutely phenomenal three points. And I don't know, how, how okay, not to take it back to Newcastle, but how, how did you feel as a, Magpies fan, when you saw that Fulham would took all three points away at Liverpool, some vindication, honestly, because right. uh, Newcastle supporters have like throughout the week, people have been saying, "Oh, like it's not that bad for Newcastle." Look, you you're playing West Brom, and Fulham have to go to Liverpool. Yeah, uh, and I say, well, like, why should we beat West Brom? We don't really impose ourselves against anyone other than Everton. Uh, and maybe West Ham, yeah. uh, like those are the only sides we can play play well against. Um, and Liverpool are, you know, right now in a historically bad run of form. Uh, mm. So uh, I just knew it that it would be Newcastle would not get a win and Fulham would pull off a result. Um, I did not expect Brighton to pull themselves into the conversation. So I guess that's the the silver lining is Brighton might just 
come to save Newcastle, which is hilarious because Brighton is definitely Newcastle's bogey team. Mm. And yeah, not to be a dick about it, but I feel like every neutral in the league would kind of hate that because everyone loves Brighton and nobody likes Newcastle unless yeah. it's steepers. Um So yeah, I thought Fulham... So Scott Parker is stringing together this like incredible incredible defensive side. I think that's the the weirdest thing about this uh, Fulham team. I think is it something like six goals conceded in six matches or so you know some something 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 very impressive like that. And um Joaquim Anderson at the back is looking very strong. That being said they so look they did start I think they began this match pretty chaotically. There was a lot of like they were a bit at sea, I think. I and um, I, Mario yeah. Lamina, who scored the the winner, he actually said in a post match interview that um, the Fulham team w- were going into this feeling scared of Liverpool, which makes sense. But he was saying specifically because they 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 knew that Liverpool had to had to start picking up points, which is like a frightening prospect because you'd think that you know the beast would be awakened and whatever. So it it yeah it didn't start off great, but um. They they slowly grew into it. I think Adamola Lookman once again is just this fantastic outlet, um, and he's starting finally to um, play. How do, like I don't want to say that he's selfish or that he keeps his head down too much, but he's starting to um, adapt better to like a one touch play and sort of uh, look for someone, bounce off them, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, as I said, as I mentioned, it was Mario Lamina who's on loan from Southampton, who got the winner, um, and vindication for him because last week against Tottenham, I think it was him who, what well, he should have had a goal, but VAR ruled it out or a penalty or something like that, um, and he sort of slotted this one home into the far right corner right before half time. Um, and yeah, Fulham went into the half deserving the, the the lead, I think. And I didn't watch this match, but I was sort of checking the the live ticker um, every five minutes or so. And really, it seemed to me that it just basically wasn't happening for Liverpool. Um, they introduced Diogo Jota, um, who right yeah. after halftime he i think Ariola made this incredible save right um my goal my save of the season right yeah yeah Ariola. um which is yeah gorgeous it's just a great save um but yeah but apart from that i mean fulham could, is it is it do you think it's a, appropriate to say they basically parked the bus like they they really just sat on it and it worked yeah no, so I did watch. I watched from oh, like yeah. the 25th minute onwards. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you got it pretty much spot on. Cool. Uh, especially, so the first half, yeah, started. Uh, There's a ton of like last ditch tackles um, yeah. or like uh, Liverpool getting a shot off and it rolls six inches to the right of the post. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but then like Fulham really started getting into it. Um, and when they did score uh, from the best Gabonese player in the Premier League, uh, it was a deserving 1-0 lead. Uh, and then they went into halftime. Um, I think they were able to, like, you know, exhale and realize the situation they were in. And then second half, fully sat on the lead. But the weird thing, it was, while they were sitting on their lead, they 
broke out a ton um, and had plenty of opportunities to like get a second on a break. But then they would always do this thing where they like they break out uh, from Liverpool's pressure, and then whoever has the ball just sort of stands on the eighteen, the edge of the eighteen yard box, um, and then eventually Liverpool would nick the ball off them and it would start again. Um, yeah, but they did in a way Jose Mourinho Liverpool. So huh, yeah, well there you go, and yeah, fantastic victory for Fulham, and you're definitely they're right. Probably honestly, probably compared to Brighton and Newcastle, sorry again. Um, at this point, favorites to 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 be that team that pulls away. So um, we'll see in the coming weeks. Quite the turnaround for Fulham. All right yeah. then, where no. are we going next? Sorry. No, I, I will say I do think it's between Brighton and Newcastle to go right. down. Yeah, I yeah. watching Fulham. I don't think that they are gonna. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I even think like West Brom right in these last two matches has been better than Newcastle or Brighton have been. Mm, Um, It's just West Brom are in such a hole. There's no way they can save themselves. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So on to the Manchester Derby, which I thought was going to be a pretty cut and clear Manchester Mm. city victory. But But, not that way. Yeah. Yes. I'll, I'll take this one. Yeah. No, Uh, I turned it off. Um, Mm. I, realized five minutes in i was like i know exactly what's going to happen um it started with a first minute uh anthony martial run uh it what i think it was like 37 seconds into the match um there were five manchester city defenders there right around the ball and it's anthony martial yeah. And for some reason, Jesus does this weird yeah. runs into the back of Martial's legs. Um, it was like needless. There's no way Anthony Martial gets a shot off. It's Anthony Martial. He probably won't score it. Um, and you give the best, the, the, the best penalty converting team an easy penalty. Um, so it was one nil after two minutes. Um, and uh pretty soon after that that's when i was like okay i'm no longer gonna watch um but i did uh, i eventually went back and watched the highlights um yeah and my notes are the following uh i thought city weren't awful it wasn't like the west ham performance uh but they Mm -hmm. also were not great uh it was kind of back and forth making good chances um but then it would either be like a bad final ball or the shot would go straight to the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, and the Luke Shaw goal was really weird to me. Um, I suppose Adairson is unsighted by his defenders, mm-hmm. but looking at the angle, after it got past the defenders, there was still a decent amount of time to react, and he doesn't even dive for it. Yeah. Um, so I was very confused. ESPN called Luke Shaw like they compared him to um, Roberto Carlos. Yeah, um, I, I saw people on Twitter were joking, uh, jokingly refer, uh, comparing him to Messi because Messi does that a lot, where he he puts it through a defender's leg, and it's sort of like it looks like it shouldn't really be going past the goalkeeper, but it does somehow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a good goal. 
I, I feel like it, I feel like it was just weird because it was Luke Shaw. I, I think uh, players score that type of goal all the time, and yeah, it's a bit odd, but it seems to there must be something in it where the goalkeepers just can't can't see it coming, and it's right in the corner, and it's low and hard kind of thing. Yeah, I. The only other thing I have to say is from the 75th minute onwards, City like totally controlled this game. Um, and Manchester United were like very content to sit back and defend against City. Um, yeah. And at full time, this match saw several Man City players screaming at each other. Um, I think like m- the picture going mm. around is Kevin De Bruyne screaming at maybe Ilky. Uh, he was, uh, De Bruyne was horrible. I, I've never seen it was very strange. I've never seen him play so badly. Um Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. Strange. Um and my takeaway from this match is I really don't know what it means. Uh it, it was inevitable to happen to miss to City. Um I mean but they've got their lead. Yeah, it doesn't. Top of the table. It doesn't mean anything with regards to the title race. Um, it implies more to Manchester United and the quest for second place. But yeah, I don't know right. if you took oh. anything from this match mm. in terms of like lasting outcomes. Uh, not particular. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, right? So it's it's great for Man United who are consolidating that second second place. Um, this means nothing for City. They will continue to roll over teams. They're still the best team in Europe right now. It was bound to happen. Um, you can't you be, you can't play that high up the pitch uh, for so long without like a blip. And and there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, but this season is so crazy. You wouldn't put it past the City to start randomly. I don't know, dropping points all over the place. And I don't know. I mean, it'd be fun if they do, but they won't. So yeah, I, I don't really take much out of this other than yeah, you know, it's a good, it's a great victory for Man United and Solskjaer. Solskjaer was interesting afterwards because he said, you know what, we didn't actually play that differently from how we did against Chelsea. It's just this time, you know, we got a penalty and we scored. So yeah, pretty calm from him. And he was like, no, the title race is still over. And yeah, just one of those things. Nice night to be a Man U fan, I guess. Manchester's red, I suppose. I guess so. Nice. All right. You want to move on to a more exciting match? Yeah. I think this possibly the most exciting just because of like the story behind it. Um, This buzz win uh, at home to Palace. They won 4 1. Um, Yeah. We saw the. Do you want me to take this one? I can. Yeah. we saw uh, Will Zaha returned for this one, um, which I thought at the beginning were, might be a problem. Um, Davinson Sanchez was in the lineup for Tottenham. He's been criticised uh, recently for his um, for his performances. Uh, Matt Doherty started at right back. We had Harry Winks in the holding midfield. So uh, Jose, he definitely rotated. Um, and um but you know this was the Bale Kane Son show. Um Gareth Bale especially was really, really great in this match. Really? Um, so you didn't, I mean, in, 
didn't think so? I mean, well, no, I'm surprised you said especially for Bale because I think especially for Kane, this was like in terms of this match, Kane oh, yeah. orchestrated everything. Oh, no, no, yeah, but I mean, we know, we stay knowing Harry Kane is like one of the best strikers or complete players in the world, but I'm I'm saying like for Bale, it's just a continued like resurgence of Gareth Bale. I think that's okay, got it. You know, Harry Kane is like, we know he's wonderful. Um, but no, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, Kane Kane for me was probably man of the match. Um, but did, did he get two assists? Two goals? No. Two, two assists, two goals. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, anyway, Palace, uh, they they started off quite well. And obviously, they I'm all over the place here, but it's fine. They equalized at halftime for 1-1. And at that point, you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? But then Spurs came out in the second half and really just sort of blew them away. But I'll, I'll take it back. Um, Spurs were really good at breaking down Palace, I thought. Uh, they were f- enforcing errors. Um, the Palace get, kept being caught on the ball, especially in the midfield areas, and they just got turned over. Yeah, which led to the first goal. Right, yeah. There was great link-up play between Kane and Bale. Um, and yeah, because of that, I think Spurs really did dominate the first half. Um, and uh, who opened it? This is unprofessional, but um, so, it was so Gareth Bale Milivoj- fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Milivojevic lost the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Kane just drove to the byline. Yeah, put it into right. the middle. Yeah, yeah. easy and, goal. And it so. was an easy goal for Bale. Um, and then it was a classic Christian uh, Benteke header, right Heat. at the stoppage time, and Spurs. Spurs does do this, right? And you're sort of thinking they've dominated the first half and now they've gone in at 1-1 and this is just, they're just going to do a Spurs and capitulate. But as I mentioned before, they came out and um, Kane, he heads it right across the goal um, for Gareth Bale, who sort of picks up another one. I think he like volleyed it in from close range. And then, and then, oh my God, one of the, one of the goals of the season, you you got to say from Gareth from Gareth Bale from Harry Kane, who yeah. receives the ball outside the eighteen yard box from Matt Doherty, and just sort of he just pings it, he whips it, um, away from the keeper from the center, right into the top left corner, and you knew you know I mean it was astonishing, and you know that he meant to do exactly that, and that's what makes it even crazier. Um, yeah. I mean, I will I, say that technique was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Guaita had good positioning. He reacted well. He moved right as Kane started to uh, wind up for the shot, and he yeah. still was two feet away from getting yeah. anything on that shot. It was so. astonishing. My dad and I were really annoyed, though, because the pundit said that for me is the goal of the season. And we were like, that's not even the best <laughs> goal scored at Tottenham's like ground this season because that's the same Lanzini scored that screamer for the 3-3 earlier it was, Plus, I was like come on man the drama related to that one yeah no but there's so many I mean even um Sebastian Allaire's bicycle kick is better than this Kane goal but anyway we don't need to we were just annoyed at it it was a fantastic goal um vintage Harry Kane who's now up to like what is it 16 goals 13 assists or something um and then Wait, um... I have one more thing to say. So yeah. this happened in the 52nd minute. Um, and I wrote down in my notes that this was the perfect match from Kane. Uh, 
and it was only yeah. five ninth of the way through the match. Yeah, he's he's a brilliant player. He's just he's he he can really be a joy to watch. And I think I get I think maybe it is a, a conversation again for another time. But maybe we should sort of try and unpack one pod maybe in the international break whether it's sort of whether we can actually give props to Jose Mourinho for quote-unquote improving Harry Kane or just unlocking him in a different way um, because I think that'd be a pretty interesting conversation to be had um, but uh, yeah I mean uh, till the end of the match Spurs were really just you know it was the contest was over and uh, the fourth goal came when Bale uh, he sort of did this long chipped through ball that sort of floated through the air to Son, who then um, crossed it to to Kane, who scored in an empty net. And that is officially Kane and Son have broken that record of uh, had, what's the phrase, like linking up the most for goals in a Premier League season. Um, and there's still, what, nine games to go. So uh, good on them. And yeah, 4-1. And uh, Jose Mourinho's a happy bunny. And Tottenham are right up there back in the Champions League conversation. Yeah, this uh, the win brings them up into seventh, uh, most importantly, over Liverpool. Plus, they have the game in hand. They do, um, along with us and Everton. Although, yeah, we are so, the only ones that can catch Chelsea. Those other two cannot. Yeah, but I mean, they can make it close. Um, they can. Yeah, I... so. I mean, I think it's kind of going to become between Manchester United and Leicester for second place. Um, okay. And then there's going to be this mad rush for the fourth Champions League place, yeah. um, which is between Liverpool, Spurs, Everton, West Ham, and Chelsea. You still going to put us in that conversation? That's flattering. Yeah. Yeah. We just have this really hard run in for the next few weeks, like, but you know, you never know. Yeah, but you've shown. Oh yeah, we are during this that you can beat anybody. Oh, so, sure. um, yeah, like even Man City at the peak of their run, you we almost should, beat them. We should have, so. we should have done something there. But all right, well, there's two matches left then. Those two Champions League contenders: Chelsea against Everton, and then West Ham against Leeds. Do you want to do you want to touch on these before moving on? Yeah, I'll I'll quickly talk about Chelsea Everton. Um, this was. Started off um, with in the 30th minute, um, in something that Chelsea fans gushed over. Uh, mm. The, you know, finally getting the best of Havertz. Um, but yeah. in actuality, he was probably going to miss wide right. And he's very lucky it is going down as a Ben Godfrey yeah. own goal because his shot yeah. was not on target. No. Um, but it was set up by uh, Callum Hudson Adoy. Like mm-hmm. really nice direct dribbling, um, which Hudson Doy is a, a strange player, um, in and out of favor, in and out of form. Wonderfully um, talented. He's been really good since Tuchel's come. He just had that one blip where he got taken off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I mean, he's always surrounded by. Is he staying? Like, is he like going to be a first team? staple or is he going to leave because he's you know a winger at heart being played at right back and all this stuff Um, but yeah really great dribbling great um you you kind of felt it that there was going to be probably a goal 
at the end is just one of those those runs that right. like it instills so much fear that it usually ends up in a goal. Um, yeah. And uh, I will bow my head and I will say right now, the Jordan Pickford that we are seeing is the best Jordan Pickford we have ever seen in the premier league, um, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. But his last several matches, he has been unbelievable. Um, and he's the only reason this match was only 2-0. Um, which is hilarious because in the 66th minute, uh, he strangely came out for a ball um, that it's not like Havertz was going to like be in on goal with it. Um, he was pretty far wide. Um, but he like very clearly cleans out Havertz. He yeah doesn't even argue with the ref for anything. He kind of half smiles actually. Um, and then Jorginho converts the pen with the little like P roller pen. Um, and it was a dominant performance by Chelsea. Um, Everton didn't do much. Their one opportunity, uh, was like horribly squandered by Richarlison. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you, yeah, I think, yeah, no, you know, I don't have too much else to say. I think this this will be an interesting run in between these two teams. Ancelotti will be disappointed. Tuchel's side aren't playing too well, but keep that. I think they're still unbeaten and they keep picking up points. So um, we'll see. I think Chelsea might. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're very interesting to watch, but they're they're heading up the table. And you know, you know, you never know. They're, I think they're more consistent than Man U are right now. So. Maybe they will be in that conversation for second spot. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah. Now you get your little. Here's yeah, your soapbox. Little, little soapbox. Um. Ah. Uh, I mean, you know, it feels like every week I say this, but giddy again. Uh, West Ham at the London Stadium, beat Leeds two nil. Um, we have a game in hand. Go back up to fifth. If we win the game in hand, we pip Chelsea two points clear of them back and forth place although it's against man united so that's a big question mark i I doubt i doubt we'll beat them um but yeah it was that man jesse lingard again who opened the scoring after a um, a very very poor opening 10 to 15 from west ham actually or maybe just opening 20 frankly um we we we, yeah we were bad we we can't start that slowly uh because other sides will punish us we 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 seeded all the possession to Leeds, which is fine because that's what Leeds do. And we like to play on the counter, but it was really like, we couldn't string passes together. We were getting caught on the ball. Um, And I think Leeds are very good at putting pressure on teams, but we were also being oddly complacent. So I was quite worried 20 minutes in, but then Jesse Lingard burst through the lines again, won a penalty, clear penalty. There's like no way that's not a penalty. Um, Oh, you know what? I'm so excited that I forgot to mention that Leeds had two disallowed goals in the opening 10 minutes. Um, one for an offside, which Leeds fans tried to make controversial on social media. But according to law, the knee was offside, so the knee is offside, and therefore the goal doesn't count. And then um, the ball just went out of play uh, against Rafinha um, before he cut it back to Bamford, who finished smartly. So yeah, shaky up until the 20th minute when Jesse Lingard won the penalty. And this time, he stepped up, 
um, instead of Rice. Uh, clearly, they'd had a chat, and it was like, if I win another penalty, Declan, I'm taking it. And he took a horrible penalty, uh, very bad. Meslier saved, and um, thankfully, thankfully, um, Lingard managed to pounce on it and slotted it into the bottom right-hand corner, then did a pretty funny celebration um, about it, as Jesse does. Uh, and then it was only seven minutes later in the 28th minute, um, Aaron Cresswell whips in a ball from the, uh, from the right-hand corner, um, from a corner actually. And, uh, Craig Dawson, the enigma that is Craig Dawson just powers in a header, horrible, atrocious leads defending on a set piece. For some reason, Bielsa can't the upper side to defend a set piece. And that's where we excel. Um, so he crashed it in. And we were 2 no up and we saw out the rest of the game. Um, frankly, we hit the bar twice, um, but it was pretty unbelievable. Leeds didn't score. Patrick Bamford could have had two easy, two pretty easy goals. He fluffed his lines when he was a one-on-one. Um, Dawson cleared off the line. So I don't know if it was shaky from West Ham because, yeah, no, I wouldn't say it was shaky. We saw it out reasonably well, but on another day, we would have dropped points. Um, so hopefully we can step up again against Man U. Unfortunately, we'll be missing Jesse Lingard. So I think it will be pretty difficult for us to to do anything against them. Um, but there you go. West Ham in fifth. Oscar, very happy hammer. And uh, we go again next week. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did not watch this match. Um, it was quite I good. Literally, it was, yeah. I knew nothing about this match coming into this podcast. Um, but I did see it described as West Ham survive Leeds United onslaught. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. I mean, they so they had all the possession, but that's what Leeds do. And they didn't, it's not, you know, they had 17 shots, two on target. We had 16 on five. That's hardly like a Leeds onslaught. Um, we just, you know, we cleared off the line. We hit the bar twice. Like, you know, it's not, it definitely wasn't a Leeds onslaught, but they should have scored. So, um yeah, no, that's that's a that's a poor analysis in my opinion, but whatever. That's well, the narrative. yeah, no national media does good analysis, mm. so and certainly not about West Ham. So hmm. okay, cool. So yeah, yeah, that was it. That's the match match day. Yeah, we actually, uh, you know, covered a whole match day in less than an hour, which is yeah, we very did really rare well. for this I'm podcast. Proud of us. It's mainly and me, we actually like rambling on. We talked about every match. Well, no, I'm sure me uh, spending 30 seconds on Newcastle uh, helped cut the runtime. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cool. Okay. Let's do yeah, do you want to move on to our predictions? Here we go, yeah. Predictions. Of course, how could I forget? Let's do it. Um, I just got to... I just, at this point, I really want to have a terrible match day prediction, so the pressure isn't on anymore. But we're going to start off with Man City, Southampton. I'm going to back City to bounce back with a 2-0 victory. Yeah, uh, sometimes I just pick the opposite of what you say, hoping that nice. you know I'll get that plus one swing. Uh, but yeah, I can't bet against Man City. 3-0 uh, Man City. Hmm. Um, yeah. Are we doing a, where you introduce all the matches? Oh, yeah, then... I can do it. Um, yeah, very Newcastle nice. Newcastle versus Aston Villa is our next one up. And... I really, just for the sake of not making you sad, I'm going to say you're going to pick up another point 1-1. One, one. 
terrible prediction, but there it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I do not have the confidence in Newcastle that you do. Um, the Villa supporters detest Newcastle. Um, yeah. It's one of those rivalries where like there's no reason to have a rivalry, but just like the fans are so vile against each yeah. other that like both sides detest each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out my high school piano teacher. He was a Villa fan. Um, and I'll give oh, them the two nil win. Yeah. All right then. Um, up next Leeds Chelsea Leeds at home. I think this will be entertaining, but I, I'll, I'll back a Chelsea narrow two one victory over Leeds. I, I didn't think Leeds were that great. I think they're in a bit of a slump. Chelsea are well set up, so. Yeah, I'll I'll go a two 0 Chelsea win. Um, a repetition of what we saw this week. Palace West Brom. Um, I'm gonna do a repeat one one. I think. Yeah, both these teams are pretty boring to watch. I think Palace can squeak it out. Uh, the return of Zaha means hopefully they beat the worst defense in the Premier League. Oh, nice, nice. Um, Everton up at home against Burnley next. I'll go for a 2-0 Everton victory. Burnley can frustrate teams. Um, and I'll, I'll still give it to Everton, but uh, I'll give them the 2-1. Cool. Man City at home to Fulham. Um, Fulham will go at this Man City side, and that might be bad for City, who play... Do they play in the Champions League this midweek possibly you know what blake you know what blake i'm gonna go for a 1-1 draw why not back fulham three i will go (laughs) you are just gonna gift me points because i will go two nil for man city yeah i feel bad for you um next up southampton brighton um the fake south coast derby i will i don't know blake Brighton are desperate for points. I don't think they're good enough. I think 3-1 to Southampton. I reckon Southampton will win. Bounce. Yeah, I'll go with the score draw 1-1. I'm not impressed by either team. So, Up next, Leicester City, Sheffield United. Now, this could be another possible upset. Leicester are not looking great right now. Um, you know what? I'm going to go... Oh, God, I can't go for another 1-1 draw. Well, you know, who cares? 1-1 draw. Um yeah, I reckon I reckon Leicester won't be able to do much. Yeah, I think Sheffield United make it really shaky, but I do think Leicester will hold out for a victory. Next up is the big one. It is the London Derby Spurs Arsenal. And I'm actually going to go for a 3-1 Spurs victory. I think they're just looking a lot better than Arsenal right now. But you never know in these matches, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. when two mid-table sides face each other, you never really know what's going to happen. Um, I Arsenal are actually the favorites in this match. Really? And I will go... I, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Arsenal win. Uh, nice. I like that. I'm a little desperate. Yeah, I mean, you, Mourinho might do something bizarre with his tactics, so you never know. Next up is Manchester United versus West Ham. Now, we are a bit of a bogey team for Man United. However, we will be without Jesse Lingard. I reckon this will be very tough for us. Obviously, I always go for a draw, so I will go for a 2-2 draw. 
Yeah, the United Derby. Um, I like to pick, uh, you know, any side other than Manchester. But, uh, you know, my outside sources are telling me that Manchester United has a 55% chance of winning. So I will go 2-1 Manchester United. Nice. Um, And then finally, we have Wolves up against Liverpool. Honestly... Liverpool are just in such bad form, but they'll be so embarrassed that they're in such bad form. Um, I really don't know what to do here. You know, I'm just going to go for another 2-2, actually. Um, draw. Is this at Anfield? No, this is... Uh, I think you wrote this. I'm not sure where this is at. So I could have been doing this, saying that these are all wrong. These are all um, wrong. This match is at the Molyneux. Oh, there we go. Um, I will go, I, if it was at Anfield, I would actually pick a Liverpool win just because the chances of seven straight losses at Anfield is so like unbelievably slim, but it being away for Liverpool, I feel like I still think, I I think Liverpool have to pull out a win eventually. So I'll go one nil Liverpool, but it will not be pretty. Yeah. Um there you go. That's that's that then. I yeah. think I've done some absolutely dreadful predictions here, so you better you better be making up some ground on my yeah lead. Unfortunately that's not how the world works. This no. is a rich get richer uh you know, kinda world. So uh, even when you lose you win. So I think I think you'll be fine. Uh, no, maybe I'll get a few back. I'll make it back to single digits, hopefully. Okay. Are you ready for your questions? I sure am. I'm excited. So my first player, he's, I, I've kind of been on this trend of players who, like, when I was a kid, they were talked about as, like, the big, next big thing. Um, my player is a, a striker. Uh, he is a big lad. Um, even though he's only listed at six foot one, which is interesting. Um, he started off, I believe, at Huddersfield Town, um, where he was considered Hudder, Huddersfield Town's like greatest ever prospect. Um, he then, uh, I think I know who went, this is already. Sorry. He went to a few teams, uh, Grimsby Town, Sheffield Wednesday, Middlesbrough, before he joined Cardiff, where he was like really broke out onto the national scene as like a going to be one of the next big things. Okay. Um, great spell Wait. at Birmingham, Birmingham oh, City. No. Yeah, okay, keep going. Sorry, sorry. I'm just uh, 200 appearances and 50 goals um, mm-hmm. before he went to Stoke. Yeah. Uh, Palace, Norwich, Derby. Gosteep. Gosteep. And he now mm. plays for who? Oscar, Milton tell me Keynes where. One. Milton, Milton Keynes. Owns. Tell me where one Cameron, Zashan, yes. Jerome. It is, is. Cameron, yes. Jermo, Jerome. Yep, 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 yep. I knew it when you yeah. said that. I, no, yeah. The Huddersfield thing got me because I think I was, just, I think I heard an interview with him uh, recently, actually. And uh, the, the radio host was like talking about how he was came, came out of Huddersfield way back when. Yeah. 
Yeah, he uh, he played for like five different clubs before the age of eighteen. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, I didn't because yeah, I think yeah. he was mm-hmm. he was a youngster when he was playing for Cardiff. Wow. Yeah, what do you think of yeah, Cameron Jerome? Cameron Jerome. Um, I I, I actually uh, remember him most at Norwich City. Um, never a prolific goal score, scorer, uh, really. But I, I, I think he's doing quite well at MK Dons this season, isn't isn't he? Um, yes. Yeah, kind of a ten and twenty five. A bit of a journeyman, but he's racked up like incredibly impressive appearance numbers. Um, and never made an appearance for England. I don't think. Never got a cap. But yeah, just uh, for the U twenty ones. Yeah, but you know, very, very, very respectable career. To be fair. Yeah, no, yeah, he was one of the players who he was always like the best bottom 10 Premier League striker. Um, yeah. Like, like a Callum Wilson. Like, sure. If you're a bottom 10 team and he's your striker, you probably have the best striker of any of the bottom 10. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Good player. I think he's of Grenadin descent. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I can't I, I know he had like the opportunity to play for Grenada. Hmm. I believe. Um Yeah. I he never lived up to the hype um that he was supposed to, but no. I don't know. He had a great championship career. He's kind of he oh he's definitely one of those players like Dwight Gale who's like sure by far one of the best championship strikers you could ask for um in his heyday not yeah, anymore heyday, but yeah 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 okay i got some more questions for you all right um and i kind of hinted at it earlier in this podcast Ooh. um which side has fielded the fewest number of players this season ooh um, fewest number of players this season. Well, okay, I'm thinking teams with low. So Wolves don't have much rotation. West Ham don't have that much rotation. Uh, Leeds. No, it Damn. is Aston Villa with Aston Villa. 21. Really? Yeah, twenty-one fielded players is wow, unbelievable. Yeah, wow, I didn't Um, realize that. Second most is Southampton with twenty-nine, and the most is West Brom with thirty. Yeah, also makes sense. Um, yeah, it was an interesting list because the top of the list is dominated by sides that have had really bad runs of form, and so the Mm -hmm. managers have like. Uh, tested the formations and the lineups and everything um, and also sides that have a lot of injury issues um, so like I think Liverpool are third um, right yeah and That's Arsenal are up there um, probably due to suspensions and stuff um, yeah so hmm. okay um, what so I've been playing around a lot with uh football reference which is like the best statistics 
website probably in my opinion the best free one there's some good paid ones but uh i was looking at the stats and i found some cool ones um cool what club concedes the most goal scop- goal scoring opportunities from opponents dribbling past their players so Ooh, essentially wow, who that? yeah like of uh gca um goal goal chances attempted um but against arsenal or damn it i spoiled it messed it up yeah i know i'm all tongue-tied that's okay that's okay arsenal okay okay wow yeah arsenal at the most with 34 um goal scoring opportunities against um i can see really quickly if i do this i can just ask you the next highest. Who has no? Who has the fewest? Oh, uh, Man City. Burnley. Oh, jeez. Hate Burnley. Wow. So, <laughs> cool. yeah, I really like like these stats. Um, yeah, this is, this is a great it, stats. Come on. The one I don't understand is they have this stat called defensive actions that lead to a shot attempt and defensive actions that lead to a goal. Um, And I was under the impression that this would mean like fast break goals scored versus conceded, but the number is the high is Southampton with three. So there's no way it's fast chance or fast break goals. Mm. it must mean like a clearance that leads to a goal like right. so for southampton like jan bednarak probably blasted the ball out of his own penalty box and someone ran onto it and put it into the net um mm. so like an assist from a defensive action or maybe a press like three goals scored directly from a press or something but right. i don't know i would have to dig into what what the what all these things mean okay i will not spoil my next two questions um what club has their top goal scorer with the fewest goals so every club has one player who scored the most goals for them ranking all 20 teams Uh, which top goal scorer has the fewest goals surely it's got to be west brom or shepherd united it is not Sheffield United. Sheffield United is uh, second bottom, and Brighton is third bottom. But it's not West Brom either. It is. It is a four-way tie for bottom. Four teams have their top goal scorer on five okay, goals. Let me, let me let me try and do this. So is West is West Brom one of them? Yes. Wolves. Yes. Neto and Neves uh, both with five. Burnley. Yep, Chris Wood. And then one more? Yep. So it's not Newcastle. Is it Fulham? Can you tell me who it is for Fulham? Um, uh, oh, yeah, Bobby De Cordova Reed, maybe? Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Absolutely ding, correct. Ding. Um, nice. I was surprised so many teams have, so, like, their top goal scorer only has five. Yeah, um, it's, it's odd. Okay, and then here's my less 
stats based, although I do have some stats to back up my argument. Um, a lot has been made this season of the fact that fans are not allowed to uh, watch matches. Um, although there's, you know, been a handful of games that have had a few supporters. Uh, do you believe that this season there is still a home field advantage despite the lack of fans? Um, so lots of people have been saying that there definitely isn't, and I think that's true to an extent. However, um, I, I think you you always have to take into consideration that some of these teams, they, they exist, they're so far apart geographically. And so, yes, it, it definitely does make a difference when you have to travel down on a coach, stay in a hotel overnight, and then play a game. Um, so I think in that sense, a home advantage is a thing. Um, so yeah, I guess overall my answer would pro- probably be yes, but it's just to—it's just very different from obviously from when fans are around. And and I, it wouldn't surprise me if this is one of those things that people talk about that isn't backed up in the stats whatsoever. Yeah, um, and then uh, there is talk um, because by the time uh, the final match of the season comes around uh, in England, restrictions will be lifted and you can have up to, yeah, up to 10,000 supporters in the ground. Um, Do you think uh, if, if fans are allowed for the last match of the season, does that give the home side an unfair advantage? No, I don't think so. I, I, I just, I don't believe in that. I don't really believe for every team that the home crowd is even advantage in the first place. And I say that as a West Ham fan, obviously, I know that the that our crowds definitely don't give us an advantage um, a lot of the time. I think it'll be such a, a sort of bizarre, surreal experience for everyone involved that uh, it will energize all the players. Yeah, I, I think, look, I think it really just depends on the team and on the on the fans. Because if you're talking about Newcastle, who I'm not saying that your fans wouldn't, you'd be 100% behind your team, but you're so frustrated with everything that if you go 1-0 down, you, you never know, right? And yeah. so, but, but Liverpool, like, however much we don't like Liverpool, Liverpool fans will, will 100% be different, where it's like they are fanatics. And so then a full cop will be quite something. Um, or Arsenal is another good example, right? Of these two, you know, they are horrible fans who just, yeah, I don't need to go on about what they do when the team doesn't play well. But it really just depends on the team, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's actually interesting because Newcastle go away to Fulham on the last day of the yeah, season, which one, yeah, might be, uh, you know, a deciding yeah. match on who goes down and who stays up. But uh, in talking about, like, does it give Fulham an unfair advantage? One, Fulham fans are not super mm. passionate or, you know, present. Um, and Newcastle supporters actually are much better away than at home because at our home ground, we have so many people protesting that we have like an 85% percent eighty five full stadium. Yeah. Um, and like the people who go are like the Mike Ashley shills, like the ones who don't really care that yeah. he's driving our club off the side of a cliff. Um, yep. But I, I, 
I have a feeling they're not going to allow fans for the final match day to say like, oh, I don't know. Um, I, don't know. I think yeah. I think they probably will. I, I think just because if Johnson will just pass some sort of random sweeping order and anyway, but if you wanted we'll to know how the stats fair this season um 10 clubs um did goal oh hey future blake here uh our software uh for recording had a little bit of a boo-boo uh and so it cut out the bits of me you know reading some stats oscar thinking i'm asking him a question uh him asking me if i'm asking him a question me telling him no i'm not asking him a question Awkward laughing, and then wrapping up the show, uh, he made a a comment on being excited for the end of the season, to which I said, I'm not. I talked about not looking forward to Bristol City away, and then we said... Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, Yeah, that's it for the pod, folks. And it was a good one. I enjoyed this. Um, Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I could yeah. Um look, so you can email us as always at um our Gmail, peak too early pod at gmail.com. We'll answer any and all questions. You can follow us um at the Peak Too Early Podcast on Twitter. That's number two, numeral two. You can follow Blake at B Munch on Twitter as well. And follow me at Oscar O H S U H random Twitter handle. Um, and I hope everyone stays safe and well, and we will see you. Well, I mean, I won't promise on Sunday because, um, often it's not Sunday, but sometime soon in the next week, I'm sure. Sunday. Um, and if not yeah. Sunday, Monday, and if not Monday, Monday Tuesday. Tuesday, there we go. Et cetera, right et cetera. All right. Good take care. Yes. Take care. Bye. I'm standing. <laughs>